This is IA Forward, your playbook for success as an independent insurance agent. Here to help you knock it out of the ballpark are your hosts, Shane Tatum and Tanya Lead. Welcome to IA Forward, and we are back from a conference in beautiful, scenic Fort Worth, Texas. Good to be home. It is great to be home. I really love my bed and my pillows. I love my sheets and I love my pillowcase. And I do have a travel pillowcase that stays packed in my luggage that I bring home, I wash it, and then I I repack it in my luggage. So I am very committed to my pillowcase at this point in my life. But like you, I am very happy to get back home in my Tempur-Pedic adjustable bed with my amazing bamboo sheets. It drives me nuts to be at a hotel where I feel like I'm sleeping upside down. How in the world does this happen that your feet are higher than your head in half of the hotels that are out there? It doesn't make sense. I don't have that much of a problem probably as you do. I'm vertically challenged. However, I do feel it. I get it. That's the overcompensation they make with the pillows. Some of the pillows are just gigantic. It makes my body feel like a hockey stick. It's so uncomfortable. I get what you're doing, Shane. You're on this bed pillow thing because you're trying to distract me from bringing up the story from this conference. I had a major senior moment. I am very conscious at conferences, speaking events, because I do speaking events and I've spoke to big crowds and the phone going off and somebody getting a phone call and not turning it to silent. It's just a pet peeve of mine. I try not to have my phone out. I try to make sure it's silenced well. It's just one of those things where I guess my hearing is really going or there's something going on with me physically. So the rest of the story is that we're sitting in this large conference room with an incredible speaker who is giving us just marketplace information, political information, how those things affect each other. She's probably one of the better speakers in the insurance industry. All right. And basically, I would say lack of a keynote, so to speak, at this particular conference. She's the keynote. She's the main thing. And at the table behind me in this big conference room, there's some music that starts playing. And of course, you don't want to turn around out of nowhere. It plays for three or four seconds and then it stops. Okay, somebody's their phone or silenced it. Okay, good. That was no big deal. And a few seconds go by and it starts playing again, this time a little longer, four or five seconds, and then it stops again. And then it comes on a third time, but this time it doesn't stop. It just keeps going. And look, 10 or 12 seconds, it's a long time. Tanya is sitting to my right and I look at Tanya and she looks at me and I'm giving Tanya the look of, can you believe these people will not turn off their phone? We're not turning around, but there's a table in front of us that's turning around looking at this table behind me. After really this 10, 12, maybe even close to 15 seconds, I noticed that my phone is making flashes in my life. And I look at Tanya and I say, is that me? And Tanya says, yes, it is you. It was my phone and it was in my lap. I don't know how, but it felt like it was behind us. I don't know if that's just my hearing. 
It did not feel like it was behind us. It was coming from your lap. And that's why I kept looking at you. It felt like it was behind me. Maybe it's just my hearing. I don't know. It was one of the top couple of most embarrassing moments of my life. It made me realize that we need to work on our non-visual cues because when it rang the first time, I'm like, oh, Shane never forgets to turn his phone off. This is, I know that this is one of his things. And then the second time it went off, I start thinking, okay, sometimes he does things to make a point. I know Shane's personality at this point, And sometimes he does these quirky little things on purpose to try to get a response or prove a point. So now instead of listening to this amazing speaker, I'm trying to figure out what he's doing purposefully for this to continue to happen. And then the third time when he just lets it go and lets it go and lets it go. And I'm like, okay, his phone is in his lap. It's not like I can reach over and turn it off or say, hey, so we definitely need to work on our nonverbal cues when it comes to, hey, your phone is ringing in this very large conference room and people are starting to give us the look of being the old guy that does not turn his phone off. There's only two people in this world that could have turned my phone off where it was positioned in my lap. It is myself and I am married to the other person that could turn my phone off. I wouldn't go even think about going there. My phone was on silent, but What it turned out to be, if you have an iPhone, iPhone will randomly put together photo memories, winter memories, January memories, December memories, and it will put music to it. I had silenced my phone with the silence button, but I had not turned my volume to zero. So my volume was still up and something randomly, my iPhone decided to play a winter photo memory with music. And it was really cool. Pictures were really nice. It was of my girls and family and things we've done over the last three or four winters. And it was a great memory, but not in the middle of a conference. This is another reason why the Android is a superior product, because it does not do this. They don't care about your memories on the Android. And Apple cares about my memories, obviously. So beyond the embarrassing moment that even a vendor of ours brought up, During one of the networking events, trying to figure out who it was. And Shane did admit to it then. So that's why I figured it was okay to embarrass him on the podcast today. But beyond that, during this conference, we at Integra, we don't do a lot of ENS. And the first time I ever asked about ENS, Shane looked at me and he was like, we've got to have this discussion over lunch. There is not enough brain power, time, whatever for us to do this in the building. Like we have to leave the building. So Holly and Shane and I left the building, went to lunch, and they explained the whole idea of ENS to me. But that was a huge takeaway for us from this conference was surplus lines and what's going on now with our standard preferred carriers and how that's affecting the excess and surplus markets. What does that look like for agency owners long-term? That's a great topic for us to discuss on the podcast today. It was eye-opening to have some industry experts and economic experts. I actually went to a a second conference, just the early part of the week of, of this particular recording, and III organization was there speaking to the economic side. So mashing those two conferences together, I got a double dose of the ENS marketplace and the CAT exposures and the standard marketplace and what's going on in all of this big pile of 
stuff that we're dealing with in the insurance industry. And one of the more amazing things was just the growth of the surplus market over the last few years. And so for those of you that are maybe new to this or you're coming over from the captive channel or, or recently come over from the captive channel, ENS stands for excess and surplus, also mostly the non-admitted market within most states. What you have in this ENS marketplace is carriers who are able to be more flexible on their pricing. They do not have rate regulation. The admitted market does. There's just the reality of being able to be more flexible on coverage. The coverages do not have to be standardized in any way. It creates the challenge. It's this challenge of it's harder to know from quote to quote, account to account, what the actual coverage is. It takes a little longer to actually figure that out. The takeaway for me was that the ENS market is growing. The ENS market is going to be here to stay for the independent agency system. And yes, it may cycle that the standard preferred market becomes larger and larger. It's going to continue to grow as well. The ENS side is just going to grow on a dollar premium level at a larger rate than normal because of how much our population movement and development towards coastal exposures continue to happen in the United States. It's just this element that we're going to find ourselves more and more in this situation as independent agency owners. Pay attention to it and we need to continuously try to improve and educate ourselves around this topic. For our newer agency owners that are listening, our producers that are coming from the captive world, looking at starting an independent agency, or if you're a new agency owner that has come from the captive world, this isn't your wheelhouse. This isn't even something that you had the opportunity to do. And so this can be a huge ENO exposure. And I had no idea of the kind of ENO exposure that this caused until we were at this conference. It was a big takeaway for me. And it really made me scared for our listeners and for our partners. Growing up with a mom as an attorney and understanding from that perspective, I was like, oh my gosh, like this makes me want to crawl up in the fetal position for our partners. And so let's talk a little more about what that even means from an ENO exposure perspective for those agents? For the last 10 or 15 years, I would say just agency networks across the board. I know certainly our agency network, we've been able to have capacity within the standard preferred arena, particularly in personal lines. It's always been out there in commercial that you're going to have to be in the excess and surplus area if you're going to be in commercial lines. But if you're focused on personal lines, you could make a decision to just not be in the marketplace. You could just not be in ENS at all because there was lots of capacity. Capacity hasn't been an issue. Pricing was fine. You could generally write most of the risk that you needed to write. The worst case scenario you had for the last 10 or 15 years is if it was a coastal exposure, you might have to write it X wind and go to your state. That's been the norm for let's call it 15 years or longer. What's happened over the last couple of years, particularly in 23 and continues to hit us in 24, is we've seen more and more of that excess and surplus move into personal lines. And so now it's affecting a group of agents who are younger into the independent agency system and they find themselves with their standard preferred markets 
closing new business or making more underwriting criteria that means they're writing less and less risk around the standard preferred arena that has been that way. What used to fit there doesn't fit there anymore. So now you're being forced to either say, I can't help you like a captive agent would, or you have to think about expanding your market portfolio into the ENS marketplace. And so with that comes some risk exposure. It comes with processing because most of these ENS markets are what's called agency bill. And agency bill means you're responsible for collecting the premium. And you can get into premium financing and that helps and that's something you should do. There are tools that can help you do this business, but it does require an investment in those tools and an investment in knowledge to understand how to do business here. And what I see a lot of agents doing is they don't take that efficiency knowledge step. They don't assess that this is going to be a little different and I need to think about my processes before I step off into it. They just step off into it, find themselves learning as they go and they stay behind the eight ball and then they stay inefficient and that starts hurting their profitability is the concern I have over the next 12, 18, 24 months is that agents are going to start having profitability issues because of more ENS placement. I looked at you during one of the sessions and asked, I said, who has time to do this? How in the world does a solopreneur have time when they're building an agency to make sure that their booty honeys are covered when it comes to ENS. Yeah, and this is where it becomes really critical. Be very diligent about picking your ENS partners. And that was a takeaway from this conference. Picking your partners correctly. And look, not picking all partners. One of the things that drives me nuts, and I've spoken out on it, and I'm an advocate against it, is the agency networks out there in the world saying we can get you 100 or 200 or whatever number of markets? Number one, that's smoke and mirrors. Number two, it's dumb because you can't keep up with 100 markets. I am more of an advocate of a portfolio that fits your market area. Have enough to be diverse, but not so many that you can't keep up. There is an efficiency game in the independent agency system that you need to be playing in addition to having the choice model. It's balancing those things. The same thing applies in the ENS space. When you add excess and surplus to your market portfolios, don't go out there with this mindset of having 10 or 12 wholesalers to work through. Find you a couple of wholesalers that you can work with, that you can build a relationship with, that you understand what markets they're going to use and you can get a feel for the coverage side. That's how I believe that solopreneur can do this and can keep up. You can keep up with a couple of wholesalers. You can't keep up with 12. They'll give you the appointments. They'll give you the access because that's how wholesalers work for the most part. You have to be a little self-disciplined here and you have to put some parameters around yourself, box yourself in a little and give yourself an efficiency piece to this as you go forward. Why is this such a big deal? What is different about placing personal lines business with an ENS carrier rather than my standard preferred carriers? Why is this even a big deal? Within the major nationals on the standard preferred personal lines business, small bop business, everything is built self-contained. 
the Travelers, the Safeco, the Hartfords. So you have these major brands and major nationals. They have the billing systems, even though they may have taken the ISO form and endorsed it to build their, quote, unique package of coverages. Those coverages don't change from quote to quote. They're good, better, best options. Those good, better, best options don't change regularly. In the ENS market, nothing is self-contained. Billing isn't done by the ENS carrier. If billing is offered in any way to your customer, it's generally some modified version of agency bill called assist bill. That means the wholesalers decided to figure out how to integrate the financing process into a payment option. There might be an external premium finance company that you use, which I advocate. I'll get back to that in a minute. Claims or independent adjusters. They're not company adjusters. The coverage forms can change quote to quote. They can do whatever they want. Doesn't mean they will, but they can change the coverage. They can decide. I don't think I want to ensure that risk that way starting tomorrow. And they can make these coverages. Some of the wholesalers even have what's called the PIN and they can do manuscript endorsements, meaning they can write in their own endorsement. So there's things that are different that can be different. It doesn't mean that it's going to be that way all the time. It just means that your antenna needs to go up and you need to be aware that it's not all contained in this nice, neat little bubble standard and preferred is. It's the wild west of insurance and you have to approach it with that knowledge that it's the wild west of insurance. Let's talk about why the pin thing is such a big deal. So to define that, an MGA or wholesaler is very similar to an independent agency. Instead of the consumer being their customer, the agent is their customer, but they work with companies who only work with wholesalers. So there are companies in the world, in the marketplace, who do not offer appointments directly to retail agents. They only offer appointments to wholesalers and they don't have marketing reps that go around in the field. They don't have a lot of the things necessary to run a retail appointment. They don't have the field representation. And so they'll go to a wholesaler. The wholesaler will have access and appointments, contracts with all these agents out there. And the wholesaler will be in some cases under their contract given authorization to do things to the insurance policy based on the risk. So it's called having the pin. They can develop the program. They can develop the endorsements. Most of the time, it doesn't happen in personal lines. Most of the time, this is a commercial area. They can manuscript an endorsement. They can say, I like this risk, but I could see where this person, and I'm speaking commercial here, I can see where this client might have a tendency to get off into an oil and gas exposure and I don't really want to write oil and gas, so I want them to stay over here in their lane. So they'll write a manuscript endorsement that says, I'm going to exclude oil and gas exposure. That has to be communicated to the client because if the client says, we don't do oil and gas, and then somebody of theirs gives them an in to an oil and gas company who's looking for road construction crew to build pads for their wells, and they say, heck yeah, I'll jump on that. And they get out of their lane and they start opening up a whole nother class of business. They need to know that they have to go back and change their insurance policy because right now they have an exclusion for oil and gas. That's scary as crap right there. That's the part where you just have to have eyes wide open as an agent. You have to make sure that you're doing communication that 
clear about exclusions. And that's not as big of a personal lines thing as it becomes more of a commercial lines thing. But it's one of those things that you just have to be aware of. I want to be clear, though, aware of it, but I'm not saying you shouldn't do it. That's what happened to me early in my career. In a lot of continuing education, a lot of the early CIC and CPCU courses, they would scare you to the point that you didn't do it, that you wouldn't operate. And I'm saying as an independent agency, it's okay to get into the ENS market. I just want you to get into the ENS market intelligently. I don't want you to go in and think that you can operate in the excess and surplus market the same way and with the same mindset that you operate with the standard and preferred market. I'm not saying don't do it. I'm saying do it with a different mindset and with eyes wide open so that you understand the risk and exposures that you're jumping off into. What should that mindset be? So the mindset here is to try to simplify it as best possible you got to be a little more detail oriented, all right, which is really hard for us salespeople because most salespeople, rainmakers are not terrific detail people. I'm going to suggest that the mindset starts with pick a couple of partners first, figure out what they're doing, understand the coverages that you're offering. When you get that quote, don't just assume things are in there. Look at it. So you got to slow down. We had a conversation just in the last few weeks about agent fees. You may need to think about agent fees here because you may need to make a little more money per policy that you sell because you may need to spend a little more time. It may slow you down. You may be used to writing two policies, an account a day, a package a day in the standard preferred world, and this may take you a little longer. So the mindset needs to be that you're going to make a little bit more money. You're going to do a little bit more work, but the return's a little better. I do believe that exists. So that mindset is it's going to take a little more detail. It's going to take a little more awareness and educating your client on the coverage that you're presenting to them. So let's just make sure that we're making enough revenue per policy to justify that. The second thing or third thing here is have your mind centered around loss control protection is important when you jump off into the surplus world. I'm a huge advocate of checklist. Make sure that you're using a checklist. You can get that from your state association. If you're in an agency network, you can probably get that from your agency network. Some agents that are already doing this have some sample of a checklist. And a coverage checklist is simply something that you put in front of your customer and you go through and you talk about what is covered and what's not covered. And what's not covered is more important than what is covered. Can that checklist be done through some kind of automation process? Yes and no. You can do it electronically and it can be automated and repetitive. You can build it into your system. We build ours into our system. There's some conversation probably, or there at least there's some pointing things out. There's tools you can use to do that, but I don't think it should be robotic because the court's always going to side with the consumer when you're talking about policy language, exclusions, what's covered, what's not. So there's got to be some specific things that you talk with on your customer when it comes to surplus lines. Let's go back to premium finance. What does that mean for you in the ENS world as far as liability and profitability? Back to picking your partners. 
within the ENS market, what I mean is your wholesalers, when I say partners, wholesalers, the markets that you're going to use. A lot of wholesalers have premium finance companies as sister companies. There's no payment option from these surplus lines companies. There's no billing options. It's either pay in full or nothing. And so the premium finance companies are there to provide a payment option for your customers. Now, I am an advocate that you pick a standalone premium finance company that you can do all of your premium finance business with. Personal lines, commercial lines, find one that'll do personal lines, find one that'll do the commercial lines. Make it wholesaler agnostic because a lot of times what happens is agents think they have to or maybe it's just the low-hanging fruit or the thing that's in front of them. They get the quote from the wholesaler and with that quote comes a finance agreement that's sent over with the quote and it's in front of them and that's what they present and they say to the customer, this is your billing, this is the finance part and they just do it. On the commercial side, you're probably leaving some money on the table because in a lot of states, a good standalone premium finance company will actually pay you commission on finance premium if it's up to the amount allowed by law and you make an extra point or two on the account. Most of your wholesalers aren't going to do that. The wholesaler own premium finance companies. Your independent finance companies will do that. It's part of their game. The other thing here is if you have a billing question that comes from your customer, you only have one place to go. You don't have to go to XYZ finance company for one account and ABC finance company for another account. You just go to your one premium finance company and you go to their portal and you log in and you answer the billing question. It's very efficient and it's very simple. The premium finance company is also going to give that portal access to your customer so they can go look up their bill, pay their bill. So it takes the messiness of surplus lines billing and it makes it better and brings it closer, not all the way, but closer to the standard preferred billing environment. I know that our premium finance company that we have for our agents is integrated with ePay Policy Advocate there. That takes collecting credit card information, EFT information. It takes all of that out of the agent's hands and puts it into a secure place so that the customer knows where to go, pays the bill, and it turns surplus lines business into a more efficient process. A shameless promotional plug Integra Premium Finance is an independent premium finance company. And if you don't know where to start there, go to IntegraPremiumFinance.com and check it out. I'm going to leave us today with this quote from Jack Nicholas: Concentration is a fine antidote to anxiety. Attitude's a choice. Make a great one. Bye, y'all. Ready to get the ball rolling with your independent agency? Learn more at IntegraAgent.com. That's IntegraAgent.com. Thank you for joining us on IA Forward. Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now or learn more at IAForward.com.